Vampires a reality. In his opening lecture to the Royal Society last evening, namely, Minority Religious Cults in Eastern Europe, Professor Abraham Van Helsing of Amsterdam University referred to his belief in the existence of what he termed the cult of the undead, beings who are more commonly known as vampires. <laughs> Van Helsing assured his audience that these creatures do exist and that he had encountered them personally. Ignorance and disbelief are their strongest protection. As long as the civilized world refuses to accept their existence, this unholy cult will continue to grow. He asserted as the audience became agitated and unruly. Many members of the society walked out in disgust, while others jeered and hurled insults at the visiting lecturer. Eventually, order was restored, and the lecture continued without further reference to vampires. Hmm, it does seem rather strange. I cast the newspaper aside. So eminent a scholar should make such a rash statement in public. Rash statement? Why, well, this man has made a complete fool of himself. It is easy to see how these superstitious beliefs are carried on from generation to generation among the remote peasant communities. But here we have a man of science claiming the authenticity of such fairy stories. It should be clear even to the most elementary of scientific brains that the explanation of such beliefs lies not in the supernatural, but in the acceptance of weird folktales as factual occurrences. For the simple mind, the line between reality and fantasy is blurred, but the educated brain should reject any such nonsense without hesitation. He shook his head sadly. It comes to a pretty pass, Watson, when the mind of man has to conjure up hobgoblins and walking corpses to provide his villainy. We have enough evils in this world without summoning those from the other However, there are certain areas of the unexplained about which one must keep an open mind. <laughs> an open mind is the last thing one should have when dealing with the unexplained. A questioning and suspicious mind is a necessity if one is not to swallow such supernatural poppycock. How would I have reached a satisfactory solution to the Baskerville case if for one instant I had accepted the notion that such a thing as a phantom hound actually existed? Well, I know the hound we dealt with was real enough, but what of the one in the legend? Legend is a myth, Watson, originating from tales told around the campfire. Ghost stories to frighten the children, not data with which to create a logical basis for action. Holmes threw himself into the chair opposite me, his features brightening as he warmed to his subject. The world of the occult is accepted only by those whose imagination has mastered their intellect. The educated romantic, such as Van Helsing appears to be, is the most dangerous creature of all, for his acceptance of such lunacy gives it credence in the eyes of the gullible public. But one hears of so many bizarre incidents, which cannot be explained rationally, that I cannot help feeling that we should not totally reject the idea of the supernatural. Cannot help feeling. Feelings are emotional traps, unreliable and feminine. Great heavens, Watson! I believed you had been in my company long enough to realize that facts, incontrovertible facts, not feelings are the only reliable aids to decision-making. Oh, my dear fellow, you have too much of a romantic soul ever to be a successful reasoner. That is why I'm able to baffle you from time to time with my little deductions. When the heart interferes with the head, it clouds all issues. Now, really, Holmes, I began in protest, but his attention had suddenly been arrested by a loud knocking at our street door below, and he held up his hand to silence me. I believe we are about to receive a visitor, he said gleefully after a moment, rubbing his hands together. His dark eyes sparkled at the possibility of receiving a client, and his diatribe on the belief in the supernatural was apparently forgotten. Footsteps on the stair were followed by a knock on the door. 
Ah, it seems there is no client after all. Come in, Mrs. Hudson. Our housekeeper entered. Good gracious, how did you know it was me, Mr. Holmes? To the train, dear, footsteps are as identifiable as fingerprints, Mrs. Hudson. And you have one of the daintiest steps in London. Well, Mrs. Hudson blushed. But, Watson, I see we have a visitor after all. And he has left us a gift. Holmes pointed to the package our housekeeper was holding. You are right as usual, Mr. Holmes. A gentleman just delivered this for you. He was most particular that I give the package into your hands personally. Oh, did he now? Surely you informed the gentleman that I was at home? Oh, yes, I told him that he could see the job done properly by handing it to you himself. And that all he had to do was come up to your room. Uh, he refused? Well, he said he was in a hurry. And he felt sure that he could rely on me to carry out his wishes. Which you have done. He took the package from Mrs. Hudson and placed it on the table. Well, what did the fellow look like? Unless I am mistaken, it would be difficult for Mrs. Hudson to pass an opinion, as he had his hat pulled down over his eyes and his muffler held well up around his mouth. That's right, Mr. Holmes. He was well wrapped up, and he certainly did not seem too well. You are perhaps referring to his laryngitis. There's something like that. Whatever it was, it made him speak in a hoarse sort of way. Sherlock Holmes gave a satisfied nod. But how did you know that, Mr. Holmes? He smiled indulgently. One of my little guesses, Mrs. Hudson. It is certainly the weather for coughs and colds, and it is not unusual for a delivery man to catch one. I was far from convinced by this glib explanation, and after Mrs. Hudson had left the room, I questioned my friend further. Holmes, I know you never guess. So how did you know that the visitor had laryngitis and wore a hat and muffler in the manner you described? Holmes ignored my query and stared pensively at the parcel for some moments tapping it lightly with his finger. At length he spoke. Tell me, Watson, why should a man who has a package to deliver not take the trouble to mount a flight of stairs to ensure it reaches its destination safely? Well, he said he was in a hurry. Fiddlesticks! If this package is of such importance, as the labeling suggests, urgent and personal, surely he could have taken his time to do his job properly? No, Watson, there is something here that is not quite what it seems. His reluctance suggests that he did not wish to come face to face with me, for fear I would recognize him. Oh, come now, Holmes. I protested, believing my friend was seeing shadows where none existed. He made absolutely sure that even Mrs. Hudson could not get a good look at his face, thus making it impossible for her to give me an accurate description of him. And the laryngitis? An attempt to disguise his natural voice. <laughs> really, Holmes, I do believe you're making a melodrama out of a molehill. Melodrama, no. Speculation, yes. It has been my experience when there is no data to work on. Speculation is an admirable substitute. It helps one sort the probable from the impossible. But you do have some data to work on. I pointed to the package. Holmes beamed. As always, Watson, your common sense is invaluable. This may tell us all we need to know about our strange visitor. Kindly pass me the jackknife from the mantelpiece, and we shall see what this mystery...